Good morning. Today we are continuing a sermon series that we started at the beginning of January entitled Living Into Our Call. And we, we titled that because uh, we believe in the Bible teaches that, that God calls us into relationship with him. He calls us to be about uh, doing good works in his name. And he calls us as a church to do the same. And so what we're doing over the course of these four weeks is we're looking at the priorities of our church. What are the most important things that we are to be doing? And I use the word doing because it's not just something we are to affirm and think, oh, yeah, I agree with that. But it's something that we are to be doing. And so the priorities are our disciples, worship, serve and evangelize. And notice that they're not they're not nouns. They're, they're verbs. It puts the onus upon us to not just to believe or affirm, but to actually do those things. And we began by looking at the topic of of disciple, and we defined it as a life-changing journey in Christ and with other people. In other words, the idea is that we are to do life with a relationship with Christ and do with other people. And in the process, our, our, our lives are to be changed in positive ways. More loving, more giving, more understanding, more forgiving, uh, more disciplined, whatever it might be, more like Jesus Christ. The second priority was the priority of worship. And we, we define that as a wholehearted response to all that God has done and all and all that he is. In other words, we are blessed with so many things in life. And our our response, our true response, should be to honor God and to worship him for everything he's done for us and who he is. And today we come to the priority of of serve. Okay, and and we title and we define the, the topic or the priority of serving as we are to be compelled by God's love to meet the needs of the people around us. That's it. Compelled by God's love, we are to meet others needs around us because God loves us, in other words, we are to go and serve and help and love other people. Now, what does that look like, practically speaking? Nice words. But what does it look like? Well, in all things, it's always a good place to start with the person of Jesus, right? To look at his example, to look at his teachings, and see what he would do and what he did when he walked on earth. And we have the story that was just read uh, from, from Mark 10, uh, a familiar story where there are two brothers, James and John. And we, we hear these stories, and sometimes they're so hard on the disciples. Like, how did they miss the point? You know, why would they do what they did? They've been walking with Jesus. Why would they do that? Why would they respond that way? But the truth is, it's just simply human nature. That's the way the world works. The context is, of course, is that they know Jesus is a special person. They, they think he's going to be coming in some sort of kingdom. They don't know it all yet. But they basically say, hey, when this happens, we want to be your VPs. We want to be your, your right-hand guys, your go-to guys. We want special privileges. And that's the way the world works, isn't it? Often it seems it's more who you know than what you know. And we, we look for angles, we look for connections, we work those connections. That's the way the world works. But Jesus' response is interesting because Jesus says, in my kingdom, you need to flip that. It needs, it's, all, it's actually the inverse. And he says this in verse 43. It's not not so with you. In other words, not don't operate like the world operates. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then Jesus said these words in John 13. 
He said, a new command I give you. Now, let me tell you the context here. It's the, it's the night before Jesus goes to the cross. It's the Last Supper. They were celebrating the Passover feast. He's got the 12 disciples with him. And he says this, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must also love one another. And by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So what Jesus is doing there is he's saying, from this point forward, I want you to live and love in a radical way, a way that's different from the world. And if you do that, the world will pay attention and they'll know that you're my disciples and people will give credit to to me. The early church, the third century, Tertullian, a church father, wrote this about the attention that was drawn to the early disciples because of the kind of love that was put into practice. He said, It is mainly the deeds of a love so noble that lead many to put a brand on us. Talking about persecution, actual branding. See, they say, how they love one another. See how they are ready even to die for one another. You know, when you look at the history of the church, you'll see that the first several centuries, the church was known for doing radical things. In the Roman kingdom, girls weren't always wanted. And so a common practice was if you had a baby girl, you'd put them out in the streets. You didn't want, you wanted sons. The church was known for taking those girls as orphans. If you were poor or a slave, you were treated differently. The church was known for treating them differently. Uh, when an epidemic would come into an area, you know, the plague or, or some horrible smallpox or something, the church was known for staying there and taking care of people while everybody else would run away. And the church grew through their radical love and service for others. And, and Christ's command to his disciples hasn't changed. It's the same for us today. So what does that look like? Well, we need to begin by saying we are to serve indiscriminately and not, not selectively. You know, most people help others at some point, right? We're created that way. We, we want to help other people. It feels good to help other people. But very few people will serve indiscriminately, serving anybody at any circumstance at any time. You know, it, this is a good question for us to ask ourselves. If the only people that we serve and help out are people who are more or less like us, we're not following Jesus' command. If in our interactions with the people around us, we don't regularly step outside of our comfort zone and intentionally invest in the lives of people who are different from us, different race, different ethnicity, different background, different socioeconomic background, whatever it might be, if we don't do that, we are missing the mark of what Jesus is calling us to do and to be. Now, it's very easy for us, and I include myself on this. in this, it's very easy to get involved in the lives of the people who are in our sphere, you know, our socioeconomic background, our neighborhood, our, 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 our school, because that's the way the world works. Everything funnels us into only hanging with people who are like us. But Christ calls us to go against the grain. Like a salmon swimming upstream, we are to go against the grain, to swim against the current, and to love and live in a different way. And in the process, people will be drawn to the love of Christ in us and through us. Christ, when he told his disciples, love one another as I have loved you, he was envisioning a a body of believers where the single mom on welfare or the struggling uh, substance abuser would have a relationship 
that was mutual of service and love with, with a doctor or a lawyer or a businessman making six figures. Christ calls us to that sort of life. And Christ himself lived that kind of life. For example, in the scriptures, we see Jesus getting in trouble all the time with the religious figures. Why? Because he would talk to a Gentile. Or he would talk to a Samaritan woman. Or he would talk to a woman who was a prostitute. Or he would talk with a, a, collaborator, a collaborator with the Romans like Zacchaeus. Time and again, Jesus crossed barriers and crossed boundaries and loved others, even those who hated him and opposed him. And an example again from John 13 is Jesus washes the feet of the man who's going to betray him that very night, Judas. And he feeds him with his own hand. He commands us as the church to love the same way. You know, the needs in Salina are great. We can tend to overlook them because we get into our own little bubble and our own little world. But there are thousands of people in Salina who are living from paycheck to paycheck. Kids missing meals. Inadequate housing. The needs go on and on. You know, something we've done a few times at Thanksgiving as a family, uh, it's been a real eye-opener, is we'll deliver meals. We'll go to Applebee's, pick up the meals, and we'll deliver them to p- folks who can't, you know, come to the, the, for the Thanksgiving dinner. And, and we've seen all sorts of situations. I remember one time we went to a trailer park, and there was a 10-year-old girl taking care of a, of a man who was well north of 500 pounds, bedridden, just her and her dad. That was it. Another situation, a trailer park, a man who uh, we walked in, a really nice man, holes in the floor of his trailer, and he heated the house with the burners from his stove because he had no electricity. Senior adults, alone and, and frail. The needs are great. And if you work in the school system or, or social services system, you, you know that you know this better than most. And of course, that's not mentioning the greatest need of all, which is the redemptive love of Jesus Christ. But many people who are hurting And needy will not listen to the good news of Christ if we do not serve indiscriminately in Jesus' name. Next, how do we love and serve as Jesus did? We are to serve sacrificially and not selfishly. John says this in 1 John 3. This is how we know what love is. This is what it looks like practically. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Uh, next month in February, we have a, a, a marriage event, and the speaker is a man named Gary Thomas. He's from Western uh, uh, Washington. And um, I have one of his books on my shelves entitled Authentic Faith, and he writes about a scenario where he was challenged um, about how he served other people. Maybe you can relate to this. He and his family had always kind of bought used cars, uh, and eventually they were in a situation where they could buy brand new. So they bought a brand new van, first time in several years, 15, 20 years, that they actually had a new vehicle. And they were excited about it. They wanted it to last as long as possible. But then one day his wife startled him by saying, you know, I think we should, I think we should give our van to the Smiths for the weekend. He said, uh, okay, where are they going? She said, eastern Washington. He said, you mean over the mountains to eastern Washington? A thousand miles round trip, eastern Washington? She said, yeah. Now he writes that he was reluctant to let somebody else drop a thousand miles on a van that at that point had 700. But he had devotions that morning, and it happened to be from Acts chapter 2, where Luke describes the, the actions, the way the early church related to each other, where it says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. 
and selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need. But even with that clear direction, he was reluctant to loan the van. He told his wife, I wouldn't mind loaning the van if money weren't an issue. I, it's just that it's our only vehicle, and I want it to last. If we had money and two or three vehicles, yeah, but over the mountains, a thousand miles? Later that day, he was on a run, and God's Spirit spoke to him and said, in a sense, if money weren't an issue, you said you'd be happy to lend the van. He said, well, yeah, that's right. If we had two vehicles, sure, I would do it. And God seemed to reply, so what you're really saying is that you're willing to act like a Christian only as long as it doesn't cost you something. We're to look to Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, who did not hold anything back, but who served us, who gave his life unselfishly for us. The, the very Christian faith is birthed in an act of sacrifice, his life for ours. And Christ as God's son of possessed way more than you can ever imagine, but he gave voluntarily of himself. And so as Christ followers, we are to serve not only when it's convenient, not only when it doesn't cost us that much, we are to serve sacrificially, radically, and motivated by God's love for us and for his people. So a question, a good question to ask ourselves now and then is, what has my faith cost me lately? How have serves me others? How has it disrupted me or inconvenienced me? How has it cost me something? Because you see, every day when we walk the halls at school or we go to work or we drive down the street or we, we bump into people and each person is created in God's image. Each person is a person that God loves and each person is a person that Jesus Christ gave his life for. And if we have that understanding perspective, then then we can begin to love as God has called us to love in Christ Jesus. Finally, we are to serve concretely and not just verbally. You know, there's a lot of sayings in the English, English language that kind of put this across, this whole idea. Um, the proof is in the pudding. Um, put your money where your mouth is. Uh, all sorts of things that say, basically, for someone or something to be authentic, our actions and our words must go hand in hand. This is what John says about it. Dear children, talking about everybody who follows Jesus, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. He says, this then is how we know that we belong to the truth. In other words, our, our actions authenticate our faith or vice versa, where the rubber meets the road. You know, when I was uh, serving a church in Canada, uh, there was a gentleman who uh, I got to know pretty well. And uh, kind of a big, gruff guy, uh, big, thick mustache, kind of an intimidating guy, not the warmest guy in the world. And he had a lot of, when you got to know his story, you understood why. He had a lot of hurt in his background from his family of origin, from his marriage, a lot of disappointment, a lot of pain. And yet uh, God got a hold of his life, and it was really cool to see the change in him. He was pretty handy. He was a mechanical kind of guy. And so when everybody had problems, he was the first one there to help out. And he was a hunter, and when winter would come, all the widows and single moms in the church got a freezer full of meat. He was an introvert, wasn't always the guy you would choose to be on the front line, but he was a greeter, and he always made sure people knew that they were welcomed, and he was glad to see them. 
For him, it was very simple. If you love Jesus, you love people in word and in deed. And God the Father is the ultimate example of this, isn't he? I mean, God is not some being up in the air who doesn't care about us, who is detached from our problems and our world. His love is active and it's real. And he expresses that love concretely by sending his son to die for us, by giving us life and this world to enjoy and so many other blessings. We are called to love as Jesus Christ loved us. We don't know the stories of the people we bump into every day. We can get irritated. We can get frustrated. We can think, oh, they should know better. We think, well, they can do something about it. We don't know their stories, but God does. And God loves them. And so my prayer for us is that we would have hearts that are open to others and we would have eyes to see others as God sees them as well. I'm going to close with a, um, a video that communicates this idea.